Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Red-Headed Preacher podcast. My name is Richard Lanford. I am the Red-Headed Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. Today, it's Sunday, December 19th, the fourth Sunday of Advent, and the sermon is called, From You Shall Come Forth For Me. It's from the Micah reading. Uh, we have readings from Micah 5 and Luke chapter 1. The lector is Karen Christensen. She's one of our longtime Sunday school teachers and uh, one of our great assets at St. Peter's United Church. I hope you enjoy this, this, uh, the sermon and the scriptures. And towards that end, let's ask God's blessing on what we're going to hear. Merciful God, as we journey through Advent, we ask an increased awareness of your presence, and may that also occur as we listen to the scriptures and the sermon and in our thinking about what we have heard later on. So we ask your blessing, not just for us, but for others with whom we come into contact, with whom we might be able to impart some of what we've picked up by your grace. And and in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And now on to the service of Sunday, September 19th. Excuse me, December 19th. The first readings from the book of the prophet Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through the first part of verse 5. This is the passage that the chief priests and scribes quoted when telling Herod where the Messiah was to be born. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth to me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. This ends the reading of the Hebrew prophet Micah. The Gospel reading is one we also hear on Christmas Eve. It is Luke 1, verses 39 through 56. Mary has agreed to abide by the words of the angel Gabriel. But after this deal was struck, she did not stick around. She went to visit her kinswoman, Elizabeth, who was pregnant with the boy who would become John the Baptist. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the child leaped in her womb, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, 
Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. <clears throat> For he has looked with favor on the loneliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has sought his helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and who and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. This ends the reading from Luke and the scriptures for this morning's service. Thanks be to God for this, the word of the God of life, for the life of the people of God. Our service continues with the singing of a hymn. We are going through a season leading up to another 12-day season, which, if we think about it, is right up our Christian alley. Despite our worries, concerns over COVID, and now the Omicron variant, our climate crisis, and the increasing violence in schools, political unrest, and dangers to democracy, not to forget inflation and our own health. In Advent, you and I still so often put others ahead of ourselves. We spend extra time shopping in person or online. We decorate our houses for the enjoyment of our neighbors and traffic. We buy gifts and maybe spend or give too much, but we're doing this for others. We donate to our favorite charitable organizations with year-end gifts. And we may donate extra time at school for what our kids have been doing or taking part in our mission projects this Advent at St. Peter's. Many of us still write cards to send. Some of us work harder on our patience or our language. Whether it's time, energy, money, skills, or another resource, in putting these resources to use we're putting others before ourselves. It's practically an impulse for people during Advent, and I hope also during Christmas tide. It's an impulse that for you and me, we know that posture is meant to be our way of life. Loving one another, loving our neighbor, 
as yourself loving our family and faith community, that means we give to them and we receive in that very giving. For it is in giving that we receive, St. Francis prayed. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. As followers of the one who gave it all for us, we also put others first as Jesus did. We were not perfect, but, but we do our best. Advent is a natural for us then, and not that it's easy or cheap or always fun. We need the help of God's Spirit. So it happens that one of our Advent scriptures set forth in the lectionary for this Sunday in year C is what we heard Karen read from Micah. It's the sermon title. It includes the sermon title. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, the one who is to rule Israel. This is the passage, as Karen said, that King Herod's Torah experts invoked when they told the Magi that the king they were seeking was to be born in Bethlehem. From you shall come forth for me. God tells the city where King David was born and raised that it gets to be the birth town of another great ruler of Israel. From you, Bethlehem, this ruler shall come. This ruler who will stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, and he shall be the one of peace. You, O little town of Bethlehem, are going to have a starring role in the next big act of God's salvation drama. From you, O little clan. That's cool. If you're from Bethlehem, then you hear this? Ah, hometown pride. But I'll bet you've noticed something, haven't you? Especially after what I just said about Advent and Christmas giving and loving and putting others first. The one who is to rule Israel, God said, shall come forth for me. That is, the special one coming from Bethlehem is coming forth for the Lord. It's giving time to Bethlehem, but then it's also giving time from Bethlehem back to God. Those are God's plans. The ruler is for God as well as for Israel. Doesn't that remind you and me of Jesus, whose arrival we are soon to celebrate? Jesus, born in Bethlehem, was born and came for us. That's one of my favorite parts of the whole incarnation, Emmanuel, is that God came to us in the second person of the Trinity, part of the Godhead, and therefore is somehow God's own self walking the earth for us. That God takes the initiative. God is the one who moves to bring us back to God. That's for us. But you know, just like in Micah, This coming one who is to rule and feed flocks of people like the shepherd his sheep and to be the one of peace. This one is also coming for God. Jesus came for God too. Not to bring God back like Jesus came to bring us back, but to fulfill God's agenda, which is shalom. 
which is forgiveness, which is leading people of faith to seek that peace, feed the hungry, love the neighbor and the enemy, and bring about justice. This all honors God. This bears witness to God and leads people to sing praises in God's name. These actions point others back to God, back to the Lord, and to find in their abundant life in his community and his service. Jesus came for us, in coming for us, in finding us and in his being found, in bringing us to know and live out the agape love. This glorifies God. When you and I and St. Peter's, what we do in Christ's name, the service we offer, the prayers and protests for what's right, we do in response to Jesus' birth, and this witness honors God. It is for God, this one in Bethlehem, as well as for us. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to rule Israel. Now Christians, I think, tend to interpret this prophecy as applying centuries later to Jesus. That's why we have it in the Advent lectionary schedule. And he did come to seek and save the lost. He said that in Mark. To give his life a ransom for many. He came for us, which lifted up the God who wants us to come back and to be brought back. He came for us, and that's who God wanted and still wants us to choose, to trust our lives to this astounding, miraculous, pursuing grace so that we will love God and enjoy him forever. With us, responding to God's grace in Christ, back in the fold in this life and in the next, God is praised as is Christ. So, from you, for me, says God. Every once in a great while, you may come up with or stumble upon from another a phrase that grabs you and sticks with you. You share it, perhaps. One example in my life, and now yours as the worshiping community at St. Peter's, is love one another and love those whom nobody loves. I heard that in chapel at seminary. I do not know for sure who came up with it. Some of my colleagues afterwards at a reunion have talked. Where did that come from? Who said it? And there were some ideas, nothing definitive. But it's stuck with me, and I've used it with us together. And that's when I learned it and claimed it for worship, that way back when in New Jersey. Another example, but not religious. In Dylan's song, You're a Big Girl Now, he drops what I find is a great line. I'm going out of my mind, oh, with a pain that stops and starts, like a corkscrew to my heart ever since we've been apart. Corkscrew to my heart. What a visual for anguish. That sticks with me. And I confess I'm partial to one of my own, which just came to me 
one Sunday morning. That's the phrase addressed to God, we are here for you. Since Jesus came for you and me and the world at such cost and with such loving power, in faith we reply not just with words, songs, or phrases, but ourselves. Our being here, our being, our presence in church and out of church is for God, for Christ, for the Holy Spirit. We were God's agenda in the coming of Jesus God gave us Jesus to show God's love, to prove and bring God's abundant mercy, and to call us to serve a higher purpose than ourselves, found in the greater kingdom of God. We respond in kind. As last week's sermon title and the crowds who heard John the Baptist said, what then should we do? For we are here for God. As God came here in Jesus for us, for God's desires and glory. We are here for you, Jesus. You or I can be in a store, in a bus, or riding the metro. At home, fast-forwarding past the commercials. Or writing a grocery list and remind ourselves on our own of this. He was here for us, for God. We are here for you, God. Present, present and aware, open and receptive, thankful and trusting. It sounds good, yeah. But it can become an individualist thing, and perhaps it's best being said together. We are here for you. As with Bethlehem, as even with Jesus, so it is with us. It's not all about us. Yes, God does throw a party whenever a prodigal daughter or son comes home, but what comes after that matters as well. Can God say to us, from you shall come forth for me? Remember Jesus in John 13 said that people will know we are Christ's disciples by the love we have for one another. That's something people then can observe and then know. know. This knowing is what Jesus wants. People to know to whom we belong, how great that is, and perhaps attract them to grace as well. Or remember the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus told his followers, you are the light of the world. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others, so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. We are here for Christ, who also came, not only for us, but for the world, if the world be moved by his self-sacrificial love for the undeserving to redeem. Hence the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Hence the day of Pentecost when the church became a church because it started reaching out to others with the good news of Jesus. Hence the 19 centuries of service in missionary work, building hospitals, universities, feeding the hungry, laboring for the abolition of slavery, the end of child and unjust labor laws, and so much more. Transforming lives and nations and hemispheres. 
It is all an offering to our God for whom we are here because in Jesus God was here for all of us. Until Christ returns, we have our faith-based work cut out for us. The ruler from Bethlehem, the one who would feed his flocks, still sees starvation, long lines at food banks, and diets that help deteriorate the Earth's atmosphere. Violence, not peace, seems to be rising in frequency and in locations. The ruler of whom Mary sang, Shall still see, does, still sees arrogance in positions of power, and the lowly often kept low by several various means. Scripture teaches we Jesus followers to feed the sheep and to say no when Caesar would make Caesar the God, as in Revelation chapter 13, verse 666. It is an honor that God, from Bethlehem's babe, acted first on our behalf and came forth for we sinners, something we call grace. Returning to God, that's what God wanted and wants. So Jesus glorified God. His birth was for us, but ultimately what Jesus accomplished and accomplishes was for God. And likewise in our time, we are claimed by God's coming for us and to us. We return in faith. We know that God can turn and use us to be Jesus ambassadors in micro, macro, and in-between ways. We are here for Jesus. It is a privilege to be called by this same great God, to work with God, to be God's servants, to be God's lights, God's humble, colorful, and energized parade of love in action. It is in blessing that we are blessed. And so is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of The Red-Headed Preacher. I'm hoping to record at least the homily on Christmas Eve I don't know that I can promise that we will have all the readings uh, recorded, at least via my phone recorder on Christmas Eve, which is this coming Saturday, um, excuse me, Friday, December 24th, 2021. So I hope you'll be able to tune in for that, at least uh, even if it's only for the homily. God bless you for tuning in and God bless your week. Bye.